بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم محمد صلی اللہ رسول الکریم اماں الحمد للہ ٹائٹ از دا نائنٹینتھ آف نومبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu and I'm suddenly going through the endless subsection in which we're taking a glimpse into his deep love for our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa and the last report I mentioned was the report in which Abu Hurairah related that the Prophet was delivering a sermon sallallahu alayhi wa and after swearing an oath he lowered his head and then he said we all lowered our heads and we wept but we do not know why he had sworn an oath. So, then I mentioned that this was because he was receiving the divine revelation. So, Sayyidina Abu Huraira, he naturally witnessed the awesome state of our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa when he was receiving the divine revelation. So, he said, when revelation came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa It was as if he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, had fainted. I, such would be the impact upon him. When the revelation came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it was as if he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, had fainted. I, such was the impact. This is recorded in Abu Nu'im in his Dila'i al-Nubu'a, Imam Suyuti in his Tahdeeb al-Khasais al-Nabawiyya al-Qubra, page 300. So Abu Huraira, look how he's described the awesome scenes. So obviously, we have to picture it in our mind's eye. He described it that it was it looked like he'd fainted when he would receive revelation, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. While Zayd ibn Thabit radiyallahu said, when the revelation came to him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would then feel a great weariness and beads of sweat would emerge like pearls. Subhanallah. When the revelation came to him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would then feel a great weariness and beads of sweat would emerge like pearls. This is recorded in Tabarani and Imam Sayyuti rahmatullahi in his Tahdeeb al-Khasais al-Nabawiyya al-Qubra, page 298. So Zayd added radiyallahu that it looked like he was exhausted and he was sweating because he'd sweat. So you can see that there was a drain taking place on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Whilst our beloved mother, Sayyida Aisha, she said, Radiyallah, if Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam received any revelation whilst he was on a riding animal, it would then begin moving its jiran intensely. This is recorded in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, volume 10, page 222 of the English translation. So sometimes he'd be on a beast of burden. And when revelation descended, the jiran of the animal would start vibrating. So what is the jiran? Hafiz ibn Kathir rahmatullahi said, the jiran is the bottom of the neck. <laughs> the jiran is the bottom of the neck. This is in Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, volume 10, page 222 of the English translation. So when does a camel's neck or a horse's neck for that matter start shaking? When, when they are um, alerted or they're, they're very anxious. So the jiran would move 
intensely. So think about that. The revelation isn't descending on the animal. It's descending upon the Prophet. So if that is the impact on the secondly, then what about the Prophet himself? Sometimes, however, the pressure would be far too great for the riding animal to handle. Our beloved mother Sayyidah Aisha, she said, whenever revelation descended on Rasulullah whilst he was riding on his she-camel, the she-camel would then be forced to rest her chest on the ground and would not be able to move until revelation was over. SubhanAllah. This is recorded in Ahmad in his Musnad, Hakim in his Musnadrak, Ibn Jadid in his Tafsir, and Sheikh Maududi in his Tafsir, volume 15, page 122 of the English translation. So sometimes the animal literally was forced into submission. It was like it was locked and it would not move until the revelation was completed to the Prophet. Our beloved mother Sayyidah Aisha also described the awesome scene thus. Whenever revelation came to him, his breathing became difficult. His face turned pale like the twig of a dead palm. His front teeth would begin to clatter with cold. And he used to sweat so much that its drops rolled down like beads. SubhanAllah. This is recorded in Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, Imam Sayyuti Rahmatullah in his Al-Itqan, volume 1, page 46. So why is Aisha narrating most of these reports? Because she's the wife of the Prophet and she had access to others that others didn't have. So she's now saying that his breathing became erratic. Because he was like, you know, like you shouldn't say like a panic attack, but he was struggling to breathe. His face became pale. His teeth would begin to clatter like he was intensely cold. So when you see a person cold and he's, and he's shaking. And despite that, he was sweating. And it was like beads of uh, uh, beads rolling down on his blessed head. In another report, our beloved messenger himself described the state, sallallahu alayhi wa It is as if my soul was being squeezed out. It is as if my soul was being squeezed out. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, Al-Fattur Rabbani, volume 20, page 211. So meaning, I feel like I'm going to die. So now, combine all this. How many times did this happen? So if it was a one-off, you're thinking, you know, it was an immense, a supernatural occurrence. It happened hundreds, if not thousands of times. So how strong was Rasulullah to be able to bear this? But it did have an impact upon him. Once Abu Bakr radiallahu asked, Ya Rasulullah, you've grown old early. Meaning I can see maybe one or two gray hairs. And Rasulullah sallallahu said, Surah Hud and her sisters have made me grow old. Oh Abu Bakr. This is in Tirmidhi, Sayyid Hadith. So what was the reason that he was aging slightly? Because the Quran. And he particularly mentioned Surah Hud and her sisters in one report. And these surahs are graphic in terms of their detail of the day of resurrection. What will happen? So note the Quran was having a physical impact upon the Prophet sallallahu So this is something we'll never appreciate. Why? Because we haven't seen it. In fact, one of the companions asked Umar radiallahu He goes, have you ever seen Rasulullah receive the divine revelation? He goes, yes. And then he goes, if, inshallah, Allah gives us the tawfiq, I will show you. So what happened? In Sayyid Bukhari, Umar calls that man. He goes, quickly come. 
and there was a cloak over the Prophet and the hadith says that they heard a sound of buzzing around the Prophet like bees <laughs> quite interesting in the description so even before they lifted the cloak just to have an honorable look they heard the sound of like zzz, zzz, like this taking place and then when they lifted the cloak just to observe the Prophet because he was sweating profusely and bleeding heavily so this is the description of Rasulullah receiving divine revelation. So when you hear the report, like I mentioned yesterday, when he lowered his head on the pulpit and the Sahaba started to weep, now you can partially understand why. Because when they knew he was receiving revelation, they knew what impact he was having upon him. But when he raised his head, he was smiling and I mentioned the report yesterday. So this was something that we need to keep in mind. It also shows it's a sign of prophethood. When people say, how do you know he's a prophet? So if you look at the way that he's receiving revelation, is that normal? You've got an intensely cold day, freezing, and a man is sweating profusely. Is that normal? And don't forget, it just happens. It's not like a build-up, you know, like suddenly his heart starts going faster. One minute he's completely, not. next minute, you know, like you said, buckets are coming out. What is that? That's a sign of Naboot. Sound of buzzing near his blessed self. What's this? <laughs> Maybe the divine revelation where he's conversing with Jibreel So note again, Abu Huraira, what did he say? Abu Huraira said, when revelation came to the Prophet it was as if he fainted. So he just summarized it. He goes, look, that's the way I can describe it. Now, question, who but somebody most dear and near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be that close to the divine revelation? So when the Sahaba narrated, that means they must have been very, very close to Allah. So Allah won't allow noble, you know, ignoble people to see the divine revelation. Do you get a report where he mentions the Munafiq saw revelation? Show me. Do you get a report where he goes a Kafir saw revelation? So when you get Sahaba narrated, that tells you something about them. Because these must be very dear and dear to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, in one preaching report, Zayd ibn Thabit, who was the scribe of the Prophet, chief scribe, radiallahu uh, he, he said, Rasulullah was resting on my thigh, meaning his head, or his bike was resting. And then in Sayyid Bukhari, he said, all of a sudden, Zayd said this, my leg felt it was going to break. Because it felt like there was a mountain on it. Because I couldn't move. And then he goes, just as quickly as it crushed my leg, it disappeared. Rasulullah then said, right. <laughs> meaning revelation. So Zayd ibn Thabit said, Look at the way he's describing it. He goes, one minute Rasulullah is calmly resting upon my leg. Next minute, he goes, my leg's breaking. So what does that tell you? Look at the pressure descending and who was absorbing that? Rasulullah sallallahu That's in Sayyid Bukhari. And that's why in the Quran, in Surah Al-Hashr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Audhu Billahi Ibn Shaitan Al-Rajim, Law anzalna hadha al-Qur'ana ala jabalil la-ra'aytahu khashi'am mutasaddi'am min khashiyatillah. Had we revealed this Quran upon a mountain, you would have seen it humble itself and crack for the fear of Allah. Such are the parables we set forth to mankind that they might reflect. So what does Allah the Almighty and Glory say in Surah Al-Hashr towards the end of the Surah? Because if this Quran was revealed to a mountain, it would crack. It's been revealed to a man. How is he taking it? Mm. That means that he's not like you. You know how many times do I say that people say he's just like me? That's what the kuffar say. 
Why do you follow a man just like us? What Rasulullah was told to say at the end of Surah Al-Kahf, قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَنَا بَشَرٌ مِثْلُنَا يُوحَى So Allah tells the Prophet to say, tell them, I am but a mortal like yourselves, but I receive revelation. There's the huge difference. You don't receive revelation, so a person doesn't get it. He goes, okay, he's just like me then, but he gets revelation. That means now he's not like you. And look at the reports I've mentioned. Anybody experienced it, they die. But Rasulullah obviously was given this. The eternal peace and blessings of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon our most beloved messenger. Another report. Ibn Abdullah ibn Hantab rahmatullah he relates from Abu Hurairah radiallahu We were once carrying bricks to build the masjid. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was with us. So this is important. This is not part of the report, but it helps to explain. This was after the fall of Khaybar, when the blessed masjid was being rebuilt. So it wasn't the original building. So there was like basically repairs or maybe an extension of Allah. Rasulullah came to me, Abu Huraira said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, carrying a brick holding it against his stomach, like you get a person carrying. I thought it was difficult for him. Thus I said, now will niha ya Rasulullah, give it to me, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To which he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, responded, khud ghayraha ya Abu Huraira, fa innahu la aisha illa aishul akhira. Take a different one, O Abu Huraira. For verily there is no true life but the life of the hereafter. Subhanallah. So let's look at it. So this is recorded in Ahmad in his Musnad, number 8951. However, Ibn Abdullah ibn Hantab, rahmatullahi, did not hear directly from Abu Huraira. Al-Haytami in Majma al-Zawaid, volume 2, page 9, stated Hassan, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 543 of the New English Translation. So this is important. Is this hadith authentic? Ibn Abdullah ibn Hantab relates from Abu Huraira. The problem is Ibn Abdullah ibn Hantab did not hear directly from him. So when he said, Abu Huraira said, he's not heard it direct. Because of that, the hadith has weakness. However, Imam al haytami he said it's authentic. So that seems to indicate there must be another route for it. Whatever the case, it's acceptable. So what is it mentioned? They're repairing, rebuilding Masjid al-Nabi. And Rasulullah is carrying uh, a brick. So look at the love of Abu, Abu Huraira. He goes, I thought it was difficult. I saw him struggling slightly. So I said, now will niha ya Rasulullah. Give it to me. In other words, I'll carry it ya Rasulullah. You don't need to trouble yourself. What did the Prophet say? Take a different one of Abu Huraira. For there is no true life but the life of the hereafter. Meaning I'm working for the hereafter. Are you trying to stop me from making my hereafter? Because you get another brick. <laughs> so now, what does that tell you? They didn't want the trouble to Prophet to go through any difficulty. But notice when he came to the Akhirat, the Prophet said no. <laughs> because I also need these deeds as well. 
So and also note the Prophet was hands on, you know, he wasn't sitting back. Every time there was something, he was always leading at the forefront, sallallahu alayhi wa Unlike many of the leaders now, just there for the photo shoot. And the camera's when they got the spear in the hand, you see a big smile with a camera like that. And as soon as the camera goes off, spears on the ground, they're off, having their lunch. And also what's interesting about this, the same thing happened at Badr. So when they were traveling to Badr, three people were sharing one camel. Who was, which two companions were sharing Rasulullah's camel? Can you, can you remember? Let's go back a bit. In Imam Ahmad's Musnad, Sayyid Hadith. One is very famous Sahab. So the two were, one was Ali, radiyallahu, the other was Abu Umar, radiyallahu. So they thought, we'll walk, let Rasulullah ride. You know, why is he walking? What is this? Because he's, we don't feel comfortable Rasulullah is walking. So they said amongst themselves, we'll walk, Rasulullah can ride all the way. When they offered that to Rasulullah he said, your two are not stronger than me. Nor am I in any less need of rewards than you. <laughs> because beautiful. So he said two things and they were absolutely you know, factual as always. Because you're not stronger than me. Now what's strange, they were young. The Prophet was you know, in his 50s at the time. But it shows he was very strong. Because you're not stronger than me. Who was he telling? Ali. He goes to the line of Allah, you're not stronger than me. Then he said, and I need reward just as much as your meaning. Okay, you've got a good intention. But what about me? So not here, he's doing it again. Because I'm going to go and get another rock. Because I need it. And also on another occasion in Qanzul Umal, the Prophet is on a journey again. This is during a campaign. And it's time to camp up. So some of the companions, they said, we'll get the firewood, we'll get this, we'll do that. The Prophet said, what am I going to do? <laughs> so they goes, Ya Rasulullah, you rest. He goes, no, I'm not resting. I need to do something. And then he did something with the companions. This is in Tabari, in his tarikh. So note again, the Prophet set the standard. Now with regards to the masjid of the Prophet, very interesting things are mentioned. Sayyidina Talq ibn Ali, from Banu Hanifa. He was honored above others. So he's not a famous Sahab. Talq ibn Ali. He was from the famous tribe Banu Hanifa. He relates, Allah, When I assisted in the construction of the masjid together with Rasulullah, he said to others, Let this Yamami handle the mortar, for he mixes it best and has the strongest shoulders. This is an Ahmad in his Musnad, Tabarani, al Haytami in Majma al Zawaid, Volume 2, page 9, Slated Hassan, Ayat al Sahaba, Volume 4, page 543 of the New English Translation. So, look how interesting. Naturally, you've got amateurs, and you may have an expert. There was an expert. That was his job, basically, building, building. So, what did the Prophet say? Let this Yamami, Talq ibn Ali, let him mix the mortar. Because he mixes it best, he's got the strongest shoulders. Clarifying further, Sayyidina Talq ibn Ali, he said, It appeared to me that Rasulullah was not too pleased with the manner in which the work was being done. Thus I took a spade and I started mixing the mortar. Rasulullah looked at me 
and he liked the manner in which I handled the spear and the work. Thus he said, leave the Hanafi to the mortar, for as you can see, he is most proficient with it. <laughs> this is in Ahmed in his Musnad, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 2, page 9, comments upon the chain of narrators, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 540 of the New English Translation. So, who was this companion? Talaq ibn Ali. So, he's from Banu Hanifa. Banu Hanifa, sadly, was where the false prophet came from. But they later he embraced Islam. But this was a Sahaba. He was a firm person from that tribe. So, the prophet referred to him as a Yamami, because he's from that part of the, the, the world. And a Hanafi, why? Banu Hanifa. Not a Hanafi in the sense of Maliki Shafi. And what did he realize, Talq? He realized that the Prophet was looking at him. He wasn't happy with how they were doing the work. So obviously, if you're not experiencing something, you know, you know, it's like a person not proficient in it. So he saw that. Look how interesting. Look how they were observing the Prophet And then he thought, I'll do it. And when he was mixing the mortar with the spit, Rasulullah liked it. And he said, leave the Hanafi to the mortar. He is most proficient. So this is the report. How is this related to us? Thus, it is from the priceless sunnah that any work which is to be done on a masjid should be done with excellence. I'll say that again. It is from the priceless sunnah that any work which is done on a masjid should be done with excellence. How sad it is therefore to see many masjids with a shabby appearance or facilities due to dodgy workmanship, i.e. which would one would never have accepted for his own dwelling. To Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our complaint. So think about it. You know, no point in saying subhanAllah to the hadiths. Like I said, you've got to take lessons from the reports. What's the lesson here? They were building Masjid al-Nabi, the second greatest masjid or rebuilding. The Prophet wasn't happy. Why? Because he wanted, you know, there's a famous hadith. The hadith is in Tabarani Sahih. The Prophet said, When Allah loves it in a servant, that when he does something, he does it with excellence. So it could be anything. Think of it in the most mundane act. You're thinking, okay, washing my car. Do it with excellence. A person goes, what do you mean do it with excellence? Allah loves that. A person goes, just cleaning, you know, hoovering the house. Do it with excellence. But have Muslims got that mindset? So I'll leave that to one side. You must have got that mindset for the masjid. And have we? You know, they come in, Fisa Bilallah, we'll do Fisa Bilallah, Then they charge you at the end of it. And then you're thinking, this is, you know, what the heck is going on here? And then look at how the seerah is explaining this. And how the sahaba knew that the Prophet wanted excellence. And don't forget, the companions who were helping the, build the masjid, they were sincere. But that wasn't good enough. The Prophet wanted excellence. And Talaq ibn Ali stepped forward because give it to him. You know, give it to him. Meaning he's the man who knows what he's doing. That's subhanallah. So all I mentioned today was basically two things. The first was hopefully taking a glimpse into Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he received the divine revelation. And notice when you hear the reports, you should always bear all these reports in mind. What a you know, sublime, supernatural state he was going through. And of course, proving clearly he's Rasulullah. If he was a fake, how can you sweat profusely from being intensely cold? Which actor can do that? Astaghfirullah. 
You know, so again, how do you go gray? <laughs> right? So again, note these old signs of Naboot. And then I mentioned the beautiful report where Abu Huraira was trying to help Rasulullah with the rock. And the Prophet ﷺ told him, take another one. There is no true life but the life of the hereafter. And I explained the principle there. And then I mentioned Talaq ibn Ali, who was very instrumental in rebuilding Masjid al-Nabi and the lessons we take from that report as well. Are there any questions you like to ask? Subhanallah